film career of Charlize Theron, and by me, I mean myself, Regina Connolly, and my co-host, Robin Elaine Hitchcock. Hello! And Bob Shields. Hello! And today, I regret to inform you that we are in fact reviewing Celebrity, written and directed by Woody Allen in 1998. Does anyone have one sound review they'd like to start with? Buh. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, so we talked about skipping... This, and he, she's in another Woody Allen movie, which we'll be covering next week, because Woody Allen is gross. Correct. And ultimately, I was the one arguing most forcefully, I think, for we should leave it in, we should be completists. Mm-hmm. We had sort of talked about as potential compromise, because I think I was the one the most like, fuck that dude. I don't think his movies need any more attention, and not like we have, you know, large critical clout, but I was like... I don't know, maybe maybe it would be for the best to not do them, but I also wanted to be a completist, and one of our potential workarounds was, let's just not talk about Woody Allen, let's just talk about Charlize in the movie, let's just ignore his presence, but boy oh boy, not it is possible. it's impossible to watch this movie without thinking about him constantly. Yeah, the prevailing thought throughout this movie is, oh god, he's so gross, he's so irritating the whole time, that's the underlying facet of the whole thing. Yeah. I think when, you know, people talk about, like, separating the art from the artist. When I used to write film reviews for a website called Bitch Flicks, I wrote about Blue Jasmine, which was also directed by Woody Allen. And I I wrote about, like, look, like, everybody needs to make their own decision for separating art from artist. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the case of that movie, which I did not like, it's centered on a woman Mm -hmm. and doesn't involve his character defects this movie has a woody allen avatar in the form of kenneth branagh and it is about woody allen's character defects most of them Mm -hmm. not the uh daughter molesting kind but everything else close (laughs) yeah (laughs) gets real fucking close yeah there is a casual incest joke in the beginning right yeah Mm mm-hmm so I, I feel like it's also worth noting that I think the word joke should be in air quotes through this entire movie. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Which is billed as a parody. And I was like, what are you parodying? A parody of what? Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, what? But yeah, it's 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 a comedy. So, so they tell me. Here's the thing. I liked Woody Allen's movies. Like, I love Annie Hall. I am not... Uh, I think a lot of people sort of approached when, like, we as society finally decided to stop giving Woody Allen a pass... There was definitely, I saw several articles that were like, well, his movies haven't been that good anyway. And he goes through, he makes two movies a year and 80% of them are shitty. That's the thing. He's been he's been making one or two movies every year for the past 50 years. Yeah. So, like, of course two of them are great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember. All right. I think that, I don't remember if this is from your Bitch Flicks article, but I feel like it might be where you were like, I just want to see the woman equivalent of Woody Allen. Separate not in terms article. of. Not in terms of the abusive characteristics, but just like someone given a chance to make that many movies with that many failures so that the successes would be what they are. 
And movies that are so personal and that mm. they're just like, whatever I feel like making the movie about right now, all the best actors in Hollywood want to be in it. Yeah. So I actually, I wrote that about To Rome With Love, which is another lesser Woody Allen movie. I used to do this thing where I would go to the movies and whatever was playing next, I would see it unless I like super duper opposed to it. And I probably should not have gone to see To Rome With Love, but I did. Greta Gerwig is in that one. And I think that she might get to be that female Woody Allen, minus the gross stuff, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. This is clearly lesser Woody Allen. So a thing that I experienced when watching this movie is as a, a high school student, I think, or like early college, like I watched Annie Hall and I definitely was like, I'm a movie person. I'm going to watch Woody Allen movies because he's like, you know, he's, he's an important filmmaker. And I remember enjoying Annie Hall or at least being like, I have to enjoy this to maintain the cred that I've decided to give myself, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And I was saying to Bob, I feel like there are certain works of art that when you were young, you watch it and you appreciate it on one level. And then as you get older, like you identify very differently with it. Like yes. an example being my so-called life, like as a teenager being like Angela Chase, I see you. Yeah. And then watching it as an adult. And even though I'm not a parent, but like finding her parents storylines much more sympathetic and uh, like just seeing the show very differently. Yeah. Same thing with Gilmore Girls. And I thought that when I got older, like Woody Allen always felt like that was a, a filmmaker that my parents liked. And I was just sort of, I, I sort of uh, like ascribed myself a youthfulness where I was like, maybe I just am not getting it. And I think I like these films that I saw, but like maybe I just need to be an adult to like really get what they're talking about. And when I watched Celebrity as an adult, I was like, no, it just still feels like wrong generationally, but in a way that I'm like, you're just a dirt, like a dirty old man. And I'm just like, I find nothing about this film appealing. I find zero characters remotely relatable or enjoyable. And I just, I was just like, it's just, it's just a hundred percent not for me on any level. Yeah. So I didn't hate it that much. I really did. I, I, yeah. I actively loathed this movie <laughs> start to finish. Like it's just... The plot, such as it is, is just a series of awkward and needlessly tense situations where one character is rambling and I have no sympathy for anyone. It's just, it it was one of the longest movie watching experiences I've ever had, I think. It's only two, less than two hours. I have watched a lot of movies with Bob Shields and I have never seen him look so full of disdain the entire time. you watched Prometheus with him? I did. (gasps) But he was also watching me watch Prometheus so there was an edge of I think like perverse glee of like isn't this the worst? (laughs) And also trying to hold it in so that like I didn't know exactly how much he hated it when we watched it maybe. But this just felt like unvarnished disgust and Bob Shields loves movies. Yeah, I like this movie is kind of like listening to or like being talked at by someone who doesn't know that you hate them mm. so like the whole time they're rambling and you, the only response i could think of was yeah what like the whole time and like i'm like looking off to the side and like it's hard to watch it's so awkward and just gross it reminded me of a bob dylan song positively fourth street where there's a lyric he's like i wish that for just one time we could switch bodies. And that way, when I was walking down the street as you and you were me, you'd know how much it fucking sucks to see you. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I wish for that for this. Uh, and I was going to say the only moment of this movie that I enjoyed was when cruel things were happening to the Woody Allen avatar. Uh, I was like, yes, thank you. I relished that. My favorite thing in the whole movie was the culmination of his date with Charlize Theron. Really? Yes. I thought that was 
fucking hilarious. Here's the thing, like, I think that I, I do, I do like Woody Allen's sense of humor when I divorce it from who he is as a person, which I did in my youth. Sure. Because first of all, I didn't totally know what was going on. I, I don't know. And then I, the other thing that sort of kept my interest in this movie was how many famous people are in it. There's so yeah. many. And famous it's people. not just the normal, like every actor wants to work with Woody Allen. It's a bunch of people who would then later become famous. Like, like both best actor nominees. Were uh, in it. Best, supporting best supporting actor and best supporting actress winners of this past year, both in celebrity. I think <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the movie was Sam Rockwell's tips and his yes. doing the Derek Zoolander face in the background. Frozen. <laughs> Frozen, frozen tips. Frosted. frosted tips. Oh my god. And also that he's just listed as like an entourage member. So is the guy from Entourage. Adrian right. Grenier. Yes. Yes. Uh, I want to do a quick plot summary such as it is. The film opens with the skywriting of the word help. And then we are in a film set and it is Melanie Griffith, you know, being directed. And you see sort of like what happens in making a movie. And then Kenneth Branagh, who is playing Woody Allen. I should also like to uh, note, this is around the time I was like, oh god, this whole movie is going to be in black and white. What a pretentious asshole. And then they do the very obnoxious thing of calling out that yep. the movie is in black. Like, oh, he's one of those pretentious directors who puts everything in black and white. And I'm like, you can't get away with that, Woody Allen. Nope. So then Winona Ryder is an extra and Kenneth Branagh is a celebrity journalist. He writes for like People Magazine or whatever. Yes. So he does profiles of celebrities. And he's going to profile Melanie Griffith, but he, like, catches the eye of Winona Ryder. And this is the beginning of a theme throughout the film that the two main protagonists uh, are just constantly getting whatever they want from the people around them. Uh, for no clear reason. For no reason whatsoever. And so he talks to Winona Ryder, who's very young and inappropriately young for him, and, like, hits on her. And essentially, like, the... I and she's into it for no clear for reason. For no real reason. Because Kenneth Branagh, like, I will admit, has, like, a magnetism in other roles and can be a very attractive man, but in this, like, looks like a little teddy bear and is doing, like, a very good Woody Allen impression, which, in my opinion, is irritating. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's just very uh, hyperverbal and doesn't listen to anybody and just sort of rambles about how uncomfortable they are. I mean, it's one of those, like, creepy imitation performances Mm -hmm. People say all the time, like, imitation is easy acting. Now, I can't do it. So I disagree. I think, that, but, I think yeah. that is incorrect. But, like, it's not actual acting, right? You're not emoting and you're not reacting. You are imitating someone else. Yeah, I mean, the acting in this movie is kind of like that anyway. Like, everyone is kind of acting and all Yeah, you're caps. right. It's like... It's, it, they all seem like they're in an infomercial. It's weird. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's part of the parody element of like this heightened style of performance about the heightened self-importance that people who chase celebrity have. Is self-parody? Is it a parody of other Woody Allen movies? I think it, I, it seemed very similar. Like he was very much recalling Manhattan, I think. Which was in black and white. Which is in black and white and has these kind of like people getting together in a bar and talking about what they're up to kind mm. of disconnected scenes about nothing. I think it's also like a commentary on celebrity culture that it's all meaningless and to aspire to it is meaningless and the only thing that like actually works out is luck. I think is to some extent the thesis of the movie. I sure. feel like it was mostly and like obviously the title is celebrity. I feel like it was mostly about like what makes people starstruck and how there's like different levels of starstruck Wow. Wow, fourth chair from upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> like there's the one little scene in the beginning, which was another the thing. Priest. Where right, where I I'm like that. I think this is clever. They are so the other main character is Kenneth Branagh's ex-wife played by Judy Davis. Yep. And 
she is trying to sort of get herself together after her divorce. And so she goes to this like religious retreat Mm -hmm. and there's a television priest there and Mm -hmm. all of the nuns treat him like he's Beyonce. Yes. I thought if there was more of that element to it, because I thought from the beginning, I was like, okay, like this is going to be a movie about celebrity creeping into like various forms of life. Because people treating Kenneth Branagh like he's a celebrity because they've heard of his writing. And then people, Judy Davis eventually becomes a celebrity figure herself. Yes. So essentially it's, it's their divorce and it's the interactions that they have with different people. And he like sleeps around and has other interactions with famous people. She meets a gentleman and he is a decent man. And Joe Montana, always a delight, always great, and they get married. She becomes famous as like a newscaster and more beautiful, which more I found glamorous. obnoxious, mm-hmm. right? Like she like dyes her hair blonde and like you know wears clothes that fit, takes her glasses off, kind of thing, and stops yelling all the time. Yeah, and also at the end, she's sort of like, "Oh, am I a person that like you hate now?" And it's I think it's like the movie's like, "Well, who's more real?" And yeah. I thought for a minute, I was like, "If we could just strip out all of Kenneth Branagh's half of the movie." And just do her story that that could have been a movie. Yeah. But that he doesn't have the sympathy for anyone other than himself in this film to have written it in that way. Well, he did. I think that he meant to write it so that his character loses in the end. But you are right. There is that element of like, well, she's one. She's more successful and she's happily married. But at what cost to her soul and her authenticity? that kind of thing. I just constantly felt like the movie was being like, see how terrible I am? I'm so bad, right? I'm the worst. Sorry. I'm so, this is awkward. But also like, but isn't it charming how I'm a piece of trash? And I'm like, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Uh, She's the only character that to some extent like goes through a journey because she like leaves her husband at the altar because she's all freaked out that she doesn't deserve him. And then a fortune teller is like, no, you do. And then they get married and they're happy. Um, and I think, like, her speech to the fortune teller of being, like, it's just, like, or, or later she says to him, like, love only works, like, it just depends on luck and yeah. nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Because they, like, have, like, a, it's not even a meet cute. It's, like, a meet what? Where he sees her, he's a television producer, and he sees her at a plastic surgeon's office, played by Michael Lerner, and says, like, wow, he really does do great work. Mm-hmm. But she's in there for an initial consult. So he's basically, like, you're so beautiful the way you are. The only time I laughed in the movie was when the film crew came in and the interviewer was being like so intense. Is that uh, Deborah Messing? She uh, that was the only time where I was like, "That's genuinely funny." So yeah. I thought that that was funny, but it also felt that felt like an improv scene. That's probably why I like. Yeah, it. Like, I was it, like, "Yeah, get I'm in like, there." This, I'm not sure this is working on camera. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of cinematography choices that I found very jarring. Like early on, so when Kenneth Branagh is interviewing Melanie Griffith, she's talking about how she has to be loyal to her husband, blah, blah, blah. And it's the back of Kenneth Branagh's head and in the center of the frame are just her tits. I, and not her neck or face, yeah. just her boobs. And you just see Kenneth Branagh staring at her boobs for a while, like while she's talking before she decides again, for no apparent reason that she is compelled to give him a blowjob in a stranger's house that she happened to grow up in. Yeah. That scene is gross in multiple ways where he's making excuses for like caressing her on the bed. of like, he's like, well, I'm sorry. I, I, like she like takes his hand off of her, her and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, but you understand you're this, the proximity means I have to. Yeah, like, no. No, it doesn't. That's, not, that's no. not how that works. You do not get to justify that in that way. I mean, the cinematography in this movie is 
bad. Like, it's not... It's ugly. It's Yeah, it's horrible. It's very... It's incredibly simple, like, locked down a tripod for the most time. And also, I like, mean, that's what he always does. And then he also does his, like, weird sort of zooms into things for no particular reason. It's very... It's The whole movie is entirely artless. It's horrible to watch. <laughs> I'm sure there's an argument for why he's doing that. It's like, oh, see, celebrities only focused on like, the physical. It's the like, Saturday Night Live reason. He's, he had to make a movie a year, and this is how you, this is how you cut. <laughs> he used to do 90 minutes of movie twice a year. Exactly. <laughs> Man, I so... wish there had been a musical guest to just break it up. <laughs> well, one of the musical guests, I think, was Charlize Theron. Yes. So let's, let's talk about her scene. Let's talk about her scene. She is her character's name is Supermodel. She doesn't get a real name. So after we saw the blowjob scene, it cuts to a catwalk runway, and there are people coming out in their underwear, modeling lingerie. And I turned to Bob and I was like, "This is how Charlize gets introduced." Like even before she walked on, I was like, "Obviously, the only way that she could be in this film is if he makes her walk out into Teddy." And he does, and there yes. she is, and they make eye contact. And that apparently is enough for her to follow him outside after the show, be impressed by his Aston Martin car, get in a car with him, and they're basically, like, attempting to have a date, but she keeps just doing, like, whatever she wants to do, and he's awkwardly following, hoping to spend the night with her. Yeah. So she she's like, oh, like, I'd love to hang out with you, but I've got this party to go to. So they go to this party, and then at the party, she's like, oh, we're going to go dancing when he thinks that they're going to go have sex. And then they go dancing, and then she's like, oh, I sneezed, I might be getting sick. And he tries to get her I echinacea. I need echinacea right now! And then when he gets back from that, she is dancing with someone else, and then... Who's a basketball player. Yes. And then... And she is da-da-da-da dancing, oh. which maybe my very shallow Charlize Zenith <laughs> is her ass gyrating while dancing with that basketball player. It was pretty good. <laughs> and then they are going back to to her apartment, and she says something about there being a mirror in her apartment so they can watch each other bone. And that Oh, she also talks about how she can get an orgasm from like someone touching her elbow. Yes. Yeah, any part or of her any body. part of her yeah. body. Come on. Yes. Come and then on. he's and then when they're going dance, he's like, Oh man, but that was what happened when I just touched her wrist. And then when she mentions the mirror, he gets so overwhelmed that he crashes into a storefront. And then she's like, I can't be in a car wreck. I'm a supermodel and I just signed a major cosmetics deal. So then she runs off into the night. So you're probably right that it is a storefront. But in my imagination, that was a glass garage door. What? Uh, no, that, that's a storefront. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought it was a glass garage door and then he thought it was up. Oh. <laughs> and so he just drove into his garage. No, he so got... So he literally just was like... <gasps> <laughs> yeah. That's less funny. Is there such a thing as a glass garage yeah, they door? Have, they have them at restaurants and stuff. Garage doors? Yeah, I have no idea. You mean like the roll-up window? Correct. Yeah, that's a garage door, but not for like a car garage. I'm sure people have. But also, like it's like if you were to drive into one of those, like that's like individual panes. Yeah, because it has to (laughs) bend. Yeah, never mind. That's okay. Sometimes it was in I'm black not, and white. It's hard to see the details. Sometimes I'm not that bright. This movie was not in HD, so you could not tell if there were pains or not. Also, I could not make the zoom function on my TV mm-hmm. work, oh, so yeah. it was both letterboxed and windowboxed. Yep. Because it has a weird aspect ratio. Yep. Yeah, it's a frame is a 4 by 3 aspect ratio, but the picture itself is 16 by 9 Yeah. So it sits in a little window in the middle of your screen. Right. I Like, you can fix that. But yes. I just like could I couldn't figure it out and I did not care enough to. Fair. Yeah. yeah. So my Charlie Zenith in that section is so in the cafe scene, they're at the bar t- talking to each other, and he's and he's like overcome with like how beautiful she is, and he's praising her, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I mean, do you 
do you have any flaws? And she, there's just like this look crosses her face and she goes, physically? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was really good. And if it had stopped there, I would have been like, amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then it goes into the like, well, it's not a flaw so much as a weakness that I'm hyper, you know, like sensitive. All she says, I think polymorphically perverse. Does yeah. that yeah. sound right? Yeah. What sure. the fuck does that mean? It's a made up Woody Allen term. Yeah. yeah. Very so- obnoxious writing. <laughs> Yeah, um, so my Charlie Zenith was right after she's introduced and you see her on the catwalk, you then see her in the dressing room because that's, of course, where Woody Allen takes us next. And she's like putting on a cardigan and she like gets a cigarette and the whole time you're you're watching her but you hear, you're hearing Kenneth Branagh talk to someone else who mm-hmm. is like the director of the fashion show. Mm-hmm. And so he's interviewing that person and Charlie's kind of mingles around them and like sits on the balcony to smoke the cigarette and she just kind of inhales her cigarette and like makes like eye contact with the back of Kenneth Branagh's head and it's a very tiny moment mm. uh it's just she just has like a sort of confident attitude in that time and it's I think the only time I can think of where any woman in the movie has agency outside of wanting to please some other guy mm. <laughs> she just she like selects him out of the crowd be like I'm gonna go with that guy next yeah but mm. that's an inexplicable choice right it doesn't yes. make any sense mm-hmm. but that's at least you get to see her decide that yeah mm-hmm. do you want to know what my Theronator was mm-hmm. the bangs on her wig ah so <laughs> I thought for a while I was like is this a wig that is sitting behind the beginning that's of her pixie also cut? what I thought but then her pixie cut is cuter than that it's much cuter so, you know who else had baby bangs on the wig? Had a great pixie cut in this film? Alice and Janney. Yes! Oh, yeah! So, Alice and Janney has, I mean, it doesn't really count as a cameo because she wasn't famous yet. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, She's a bit part. It's a retroactive yeah. cameo. Right, she has a bit part, but then the worst of the cameos. Oh, uh, God. When you're trudging through this movie and you're like, it's almost over, it's almost over. And then the worst human being on planet Earth mm-hmm. appears mm-hmm. in an aw shucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gee whiz. Mm-hmm. Cameo. It still can't do line readings, I'll tell you what. Yeah, he's, um, he's as stupid and ugly in 1998 as he is today. Let's just not even say his name. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that was So dumb. best cameo, worst cameo all at once. Yeah, that yeah. was... Uh... <laughs> back to back. Yeah. Oh, I also guys... really love seeing baby face Jeffrey Wright. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like... He was, he could get it. <laughs> like, I don't think I realized how hot he used to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, I like flew out of my seat when Avon Barksdale walked in. Oh, yeah. He was at the wedding. Yeah. 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 And he was like a weather guy. And he was like, oh, sometimes the weather's different. And then, right. That's another example of this sort of like running gag about like people treating anyone with any level of celebrity as though they're exceptional. Yeah. And he's like, just clearly, like, kind of a doofy guy. Well, also, there was the scene where I was like, okay, sorry being a celebrity is so hard for you. Where Joe Mont... I was going to say Joe Montana. That is not who that is. Montana. <laughs> Montana. Uh, I knew that. It was just going to come out wrong. But he introduces... Uh, what's her name in this movie? Judy Davis's character? Yeah. Does it matter? Robin. It's Robin. Oh, that's right. It does matter. Yes. (laughs) I was like, so he introduces Robin, the character, not Robin, our co-host, to his family. And you see him sort of like walking by the pool and everyone in the family is like, hey, I need this from you. Can you make this happen for me? Can you make that happen for me? Because he like runs a TV station and so has like a certain amount of clout. And so I think it was sort of showing like any amount of celebrity, like all people want from you is what they can get from you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Sure. Another thing in terms of, like, surprising people that were in this, and I was like, what a criminal underuse 
of B.B. New Earth because... Oh, that's right. I... I will always love B.B. Newark's aggressively blunt Bob. I will love her crazy voice. I just delight in her. I don't care. I don't, I haven't seen her in a bunch of things. I've never seen her on Broadway, but I'm just like, I just like B.B. Newark, full stop. And she like comes in and is going to, is like a working girl who's going to be interviewed by Robin, the character. And then later they have the scene where Robin, the character has decided that she is not performing sexually enough for her fiance and that he's going to leave her if she's not better in bed. So she goes to her because she's like, well, you're a prostitute, so you can teach me stuff. And the, most of the scene is just like a close up on her face, like being like, I'm so neurotic because I was raised Catholic and I don't, I'm not good at BJ's. And then BB North decides to give her a BJ lesson on a banana. So it just felt like Woody Allen was like, you know what I want to see? Them fake blowing things. Yep. And there was no real reason for it, but it was just an extended take of B.B. North, like deep-throating a banana that didn't feel comedic to me, and I think it's meant to. And then she chokes on it, and then she, like, the whole time I was watching, I was like, this isn't funny. I'm just, like, afraid that she's going to die. Yeah. And I was like, if she dies from a pretend BJ, that's going to be awful. And then that's the end of the scene and the end of B.B. Beautiful New Earth. What a bummer for me. What a bummer. That scene bothered the fuck out of me. Like, the, you cannot separate the fact that it's like, oh yeah, someone wrote this on purpose to get two women blow bananas simultaneously on screen. And that there's a whole crew. Yeah. Like, watch it. Like, basically, I'm like, that's not the only take they did. It actually probably was. Okay. That's part of the reason people like working with Woody Allen and why he makes two movies a year is that he literally is like a one and done kind of director. Okay. <laughs> So the only good reason that yeah. that's the case. Yeah. At least it didn't take too long. Yeah. And then there's the Leonardo DiCaprio bit. I was going to go to that. Yep. So, so before we get into the bad stuff of that scene, of which there's many, can I just say, it was delightful to see the Leonardo DiCaprio of my youth. Yeah. I was, because I forgot that that's what he looked like. Because I'm so How used pretty to... he was, you mean? Yes. Yeah. And also like pretty in a way that was very specific to a pubescent 90s Regina. Yeah. I was like, oh, look at that guy. I remember my youth. And then the scene actually uh, started. So yeah. I will say one thing I clearly remembered about this movie was either reading or maybe Roger Ebert Jean Siskel said it on their show. Something like, I know that teenage girls who are in love with Leonardo DiCaprio from Titanic are going to go see this movie. Oh, God. And yep. they were like, <laughs> they don't know what they are walking into. Do you want to describe the scene, Bob Shields? The scene, such as it is. Is Leonardo DiCaprio yelling at his girlfriend in and a hotel room and throwing, throwing her around, her, yeah. smacking her around. She's trying to get away, but it, Gretchen Mole is yeah. the girlfriend, one-time so, it girl. Okay, Th that this is going on, and the security is being called, and the police are being called, uh, and it's a really horrible fight, and it's not convincing at all because Leonardo DiCaprio is doing the acting in a Woody Allen movie, acting, and everyone just seems kind of fake and unconvincing. Kenneth Branagh shows up at some point because he's trying to pitch a screenplay that he has written on the side to Leonardo DiCaprio. Ugh. And he does this throughout the movie where other people are doing something or having some situation and he's trying to insert himself constantly being like, so I want to talk to you about this part of the screenplay. And, and like while he's like beating the shit out of his girlfriend, like mm -hmm. he's just not paying attention. Yeah, um, like the, the security is there. They're trying to break it up. She's screaming at him. And yeah, he's like, the police are arresting him. And he's saying, can I just have five minutes with him so I can talk about my screenplay? Uh, obnoxious. And, yeah, it's just like comes across as stupid and selfish and clueless and horrible. And everything I hate in a person is being displayed on screen. Um, uh, and so this is going on. But then eventually the they get... 
the police get Leonardo DiCaprio downstairs and they're about to force him into a squad car and then the girlfriend comes back for no reason and says I'm not pressing charges please don't take him away and then the police go okay well seeing as this is insert actor name here whatever his character's name is uh, we'll let him go and then everything is just fine then they're like okay we're gonna go to wherever they're gonna go they get on a plane and go to Atlantic City Kenneth Branagh goes with them and then he's like I I really want to talk about your screenplay Uh, let's keep going and then so he goes back to the hotel with him and then there's like Sam Rockwell in a tub with someone uh, you know in the nude then Leonardo DiCaprio and Kenneth Branagh have a foursome with two other two women where they're just gonna have sex next to each other and Kenneth Branagh can't perform yeah, and because he's too neurotic and he keeps trying to ask about his screenplay while Leonardo DiCaprio was boning someone next so to him. It's so gross. And one of my least favorite jokes in the entire movie was in this scene where the woman who is with Kenneth Branagh is like, hey, like, I heard you're a writer. Like, I'm a writer too. I write screenplays. And it's like, she's a beautiful woman who's just like fucking a dude. So obviously she couldn't actually be good at writing. Right. Is the, of course That's not. the joke. Yeah. And she's like, oh, do you know Chekhov? I write like him. And it's like, isn't it hilarious? Because it's so impossible that a beautiful woman who might fuck him could also be intelligent and capable of writing. Ha ha ha. How hilarious. Because those two juxtapositions could never happen in the real world. By the way, I completely missed that scene. I And I, because because I was so uncomfortable with what was happening, I was like, I am going to go get myself a diet coke yeah that's fair well like one of the things like the earlier part of the scene when like the domestic violence is happening again like this is a joke that's not landing but the framing of the scene is like isn't it inconvenient for woody allen like that's what we're paying attention to is how inconvenient it is for him to not be able to do that and i don't know if it's meant to be like we're satirizing that these things like really happen and at the same time that this like terrible like domestic uh, interaction is happening there are also these vultures right around them trying to get into it and i'm like that doesn't feel like that's what you're going I, for i couldn't help but think it was like oh look at the intense drama of being like look these young actors and their emotions all over the place isn't it inconvenient for people who want to get stuff done and need their help to get whatever art they want made mm-hmm. like i just want to talk to him about my screenplay why is this inconvenient domestic violence happening Mm -hmm. why is he so selfishly living his own life and not providing for me yeah um so i want to talk about my favorite scene in the movie okay if i may so kenneth Branagh has left his wife robin because they got married young and he at a high school reunion realized that life was slipping away from him so he decided they needed to split up is the premise and then he bones different people like the time is sort of like loose like you don't always know exactly. how much time has passed yes and so he ends up in a relationship with famke jansen jensen yep. i don't know how to pronounce it. i think it's i think it's jensen jensen okay she's just great she's oh yeah she's so wonderful. great so he is in a relationship with her and they are about to move in together like that day and they run into uh, this is the best scene in the movie at a party right (laughs) they run into at a party Winona Ryder and he hasn't seen her since you know he hit on her at that movie and then they sort of like separate themselves from the table and she's like oh is that woman your girlfriend and he's like no totally not and she's like meet me at midnight at a subway station like how more European could I be so we cut to Famke and Kenneth Branagh in their apartment and she was like oh man like it was nice to see our friend David but isn't that chick like a little young for him and he's like uh what no and Kenneth Branagh goes out and meets Winona Ryder and this is I think one of the only times in the movie that there is music and there's music swelling and he talks about how he he should have come for her sooner and he knows exactly who she is because he's written her twice in his novels and his screenplays and he knows Barf. exactly who she is 
And she's like, I have never been faithful before. So like David knew what he was getting into. And I'm just looking for a man to control me. Gross. And then he decides to make out with her. And then the next scene is back in his apartment with his long-term girlfriend who's moving in. And he's like, hey, as the movers are literally coming in, he's like, I just need to be honest with you. I've met someone else. And she is very upset. And it's reminiscent of the first time when he broke up with Robin, uh, the character. And he's like, just like, oh, this is so hard. This is so bad. And what he means is like, I don't like this unpleasantness. But he obviously has no actual remorse for what he's done because he thinks it's exactly... It's, uh, of course he had to go to a known rider. Of course he did. Love. It's what he needed. Right. The proximity demanded it. The heart wants what it wants. Right. And then she grabs her stuff and leaves the apartment. And then he realizes that the thing that she grabbed is the novel that he spent two years working on. And she's a publicist. So they've been in a relationship for at least two years. And he realizes, and it's the only copy of it because it was before computers. And is it though? Whatever. Well, <laughs> it is for this dude. This also bothered me, by the way, in the movie Wonder Boys. <laughs> and so he is like freaked out, not that she's leaving him or that he has destroyed a relationship or that he has uh, performed like intense emotional cruelty to another human being through purely selfish, uh, impulsive decision making. But he's worried that his book is going away. And then he runs down to the, the pier in Manhattan and she's already on a ferry and she's alone on the ferry. And it's this beautiful shot of her standing there throwing it into the river and i was like god if only someone had done that to this movie (laughs) and to all your movies if you had just been you know punished properly and i just that was the only time in the movie that brought joy to my heart and i don't think of myself as a vindictive person but i was like yes suffer those pages to sink to the bottom of the river and it was great and then later in the movie at some point with his relationship with Winona Ryder is not working out shockingly she says something nasty to him I forget what it is but when she said I was like yeah be mean to him yeah yeah so then the film ends they go to the premiere of the movie that they were filming at the beginning Mm -hmm. yes so let me uh Ebert or Mebert us okay Ebert or Mebert Celebrity ends and begins on a note that seems about right, an airplane skywriting the word help. I'm gonna go Mebert. I'm also gonna go Mebert. That is an Ebert. Oh, genuine Ebert. By the time the film cut back to that, I was a bit like, oh, look at them tying things together in the third beat. Uh, (laughs) Improv joke. But I was just so mad about everything else that it barely registered for me. Yeah. Were there any scenes comparable to the, like, script floating in the river that you guys enjoyed? Or like, were well I mean, done. like I said, the scene that I interpreted completely incorrectly is <laughs> driving into, I guess, a storefront, which is much less cool. I did laugh out loud at that. I don't I don't think I even liked the script throwing into the sea. Mm. Um, to me, that just came across as uh, like you're it, it seemed like you were supposed to be sympathizing with him. Like, mm-hmm. oh, isn't it terrible that she's doing this, mm-hmm. even though he totally deserved it? And it, yeah, I just, there's nothing about this movie that I enjoy. Like, I didn't laugh at all. I didn't sympathize with anything. Yeah. The character, like, going, like, for his whims, like, the reason he divorces his wife is like, I want to explore and go and pursue the things of my dreams or whatever. Uh, and that's why he also leaves Famke Jensen. He's like, I've met someone else who I think is, I'm going to enjoy being time with more blah blah chasing after what he wants kind of thing and i was like if that if chasing after what you want makes you come off like that i no longer have any interest in pursuing my dreams this actively (laughs) makes me want to be a more reserved and careful person yeah i think there's not a single character who treats another human being with tenderness or kindness in this entire movie except for joe montagna and he gets very little screen time and it's also sort of inexplicable to me and you never get to see him 
be that person either. Like the whole thing of like she leaves him at the altar because of her own uh, ne- whatever misexplained neuroses, and then this short fortune teller tells her how to go back to him, but you never actually get to see that get repaired. Right. It's just in the next scene. Oh, it's just already fixed, and they're happily married. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything about this movie is hateful. I'm not trying to argue that a movie needs to have a kind person in it or a good human being in it for it to be a film worth watching. I think that there can be an argument to be made for making an artwork about terrible people. But I but mostly need there to be someone I care about. There also, I think there's to be a moral compunction to why you're making that movie for yeah. me. Like, I think like if you're going to do a movie about like, look at the dregs of humanity, what is your statement on that? Rather than just being like, look, isn't everything terrible? Uh, so I mean, the- At least for me. So that can be done to very good effect. Like, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia has only horrible characters. Yeah, that's true. I can't watch that show though. So I, I find that show very charming. In, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's to me, it's an exception. Yeah, but like, but like, it definitely is possible to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, this movie does not achieve it. Yeah, right. I'm trying to think of an example now of a movie that I really liked that is full of reprehensible people but i'm just sort of like but it's worth watching i feel like with nail and i is a good example of oh like, that's a great example where it's like every character in that is just kind of selfish and mm-hmm. uh kind of spiteful but you're on their side anyway and there's a or like young adult oh yeah young adult great Except, example yeah. although i would say that the other characters are good people it's just oh her like that's bad. for sure yeah yeah, yeah. but you Doofy sympathize dad yeah yeah. Buddy, is buddy, buddy, yeah. buddy Slade. Also, uh, uh, broken penis. <laughs> yeah, he, he has his flaws. He does, but, but he's, he's fundamentally a good person. Correct. So, who should Keanu have played in Celebrity? I would like him to play the athlete that she makes out on instead <laughs> of whoever was cast in that role. His which name I don't know. was Anthony Mason. I, I don't know. At one point I knew what team he played for, but that time it's gone. Yeah. I want I want Keanu in that because it's such a small role and because then we can see her gyrate on him a la the devil's advocate again. I hope he takes a big chomp out of her teeth. <laughs> yeah, do it. So that's who I'm putting him as. So I, I usually don't abstain from this, but I really don't want Keanu to be in this movie for the I think the first time ever. However, there is a person who is in this movie who I want to be, want to be in it even less. So I would replace worst cameo. Ah, very good. good. With Keanu good Reeves. Call. Love it. Uh, because uh, there is a possibility that Keanu is an ageless time traveler. So if possible, can you please go back in time and erase that person from history? I'm into it. Cool. Love it. I would replace Kenneth Branagh because Keanu Reeves is not capable of doing a Woody Allen impression. He's not that kind of actor. And so this movie is not good and it wouldn't be good even with this fix, but it would be less repugnant. Mm -hmm. I was mildly diverted by this movie. Like I was not constantly full of hatred the way that you guys were. Mm -hmm. And I think that I probably started from a baseline of enjoying Woody Allen's style more than you guys do i I came into it because you said that it was okay i was like all right and i've only seen like two of his oh yeah so i was like sure all right yeah i mean i really like both manhattan and annie hall well those are like i haven't seen manhattan and i never will but those are like two of his all-time greats like i like his bad movies like like to roam with love i same reaction and this is a better movie than To Run With Love. But okay. that was the movie where I was just kind of like, this is mildly amusing. <laughs> but because Woody Allen is so disgusting, having such an uncanny avatar in there really makes it harder to watch. So if you just replace that with Keanu playing his own character, yeah. then I think it could be 
even more watchable. So yeah. when I watched this movie, I didn't have like a white hot rage against it. Like this wasn't like a 15 minutes experience for me where I was like, this fucking movie! <laughs> and it certainly didn't get close to the apocalyptic experience above Shields and Prometheus. <laughs> it was just cold, cold dislike from beginning yeah. to end. I was like, I don't like yep. this. I don't like this. I really actively don't like it. But it was a very neutral, like, this is terrible, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah. And and I'll, I'll tell you, I gave it the full Saturday morning cartoon bump. I was like, yeah. we're going to do everything we can to get through this. Oh, I, because, so we borrowed this from Mike Rubino. God bless him. Thank you so much. And I watched it Friday after work and then immediately drove to their house so that they could watch it with that because Saturday morning. The the movie tree was barren and we refused to pay for it. I was like, if we can't get it for free, we're not doing it. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, would this movie be improved by a prison riot? Sure. I'm going to say no, just because I feel like filming a prison riot on an unmoving tripod seems like a problem. (laughs) I'm also going to say no, again, because I don't feel like Woody Allen deals with, like, class or race. Yeah. uh, Any level of... uh, I'm, I'm like, much like Seth MacFarlane, I don't trust him to do it justice So make it fun. You know what his prison riot would be? It would be a women's prison riot where everybody, like, makes out with each other. Exactly. It would be a a slime prison riot. Mm -hmm. Or, like... Gross. Spraying olive oil at each other in a woman's prison. Yeah. I'm sorry we just said those words. (laughs) (laughs) Let's rank this piece of shit. I'll go first, because I'm probably going to be the most forgiving. (laughs) I am going to put this uh, above 15 minutes and below reindeer games so that means that the road is above it and it's, i sort of it like, also means that yeah, bagger that vance sense. is below it <laughs> i really really hated <laughs> bagger vance. fair fair this was not the most uncomfortable i've been watching a movie for this show mm. but it is also not good and then sort of <laughs> in the same way that i docked kubo for being a little yeah. racially problematic i gotta dock this one for being made by woody allen so oh, yeah uh, yeah, so it's still definitely in the bottom of my list. I am putting this below Prometheus, <gasps> making it dead last. Oh, wow! I'm so excited! <laughs> so the reason I'm doing that is because much though I hate Prometheus with a white hot passion, there is at least some art in Prometheus. Like, yeah. It is well made. A lot of people worked very hard and did very good work. Like It, it does is, drippy push-ups in it, it. It is a beautiful movie, not for more reasons than just that. Uh, <laughs> there are other drops in the movie that look good on the end of Android's fingers. This movie is just so devoid of any kind of aesthetic anything there's nothing good or enjoyable about any frame of this movie so i just i was like i just it's you know i if it were to be erased from history no one would ever you know feel any be any worse off i don't know sam rockwell frosted tips maybe (laughs) he would never have gotten them i'm sure we can find them in a different film (laughs) like not not even deborah messing can save this movie and she did a really she worked really hard to try and do so yeah and regina i'm also putting a dead last oh man you guys are making me feel like a bad person (laughs) no so so i a forgot that million ways to die in the west was my dead last and i definitively think that he's a worse person than seth MacFarlane. i also think that she was in a million ways to die in the west more and had more to do and i felt like the movie this movie did not take advantage of having an academy award-winning potential actress 
It was just like, just be in your underwear, would you? Right. And so I don't particularly care for that. And the rest of the movie was so unpleasant to me as a watching experience. So I, like, I wish it were more of a fun, like, when I put A Million Ways Side in the West, I was like, yeah, it's there. And, like, honestly, like, nothing will ever top putting 15 minutes there. Like, what a, what a beautiful, fun thing to hate that movie so much. And this movie, again, I'm just sort of like, yeah, no, just don't watch it. Like, yeah, just don't. There's no enjoyment in the experience of watching it. It's not like you can make fun of it or anything. It's just unrelentingly disgusting from start to finish except for robin enjoyed parts of it so yeah <laughs> so there is so there's a range of experience what i mean not that i'm judging right. you for i, I don't it. think that there's compelling reason to watch this movie and there's certainly no compelling reason to pay to watch this movie yeah, and apparently it's like out of print you can buy the dvd for 40 bucks on amazon jesus so yeah all right, here we are. We're halfway through the dark times of reviewing Woody Allen movies. Next week, we will be back with The Curse of the Jade Scorpion. So thank you to Mike Rubino for lending us his DVD. He is someone who grew up loving Woody Allen movies. And so we're hoping that we can get him on the show, but we're not sure our schedules are going to work out. Mm-hmm. But regardless, thank you, Mike, so much for lending us this DVD. You <laughs> have saved our souls. I also want to thank my husband, Colin, because he took a bus to the airport so that I could record, <laughs> making me feel like the worst wife ever. But he did have the option to Uber, and he chose that bus. That's right. He chose that bus. Right. Anyway, bon voyage, Colin. I love you. Thank you very much to Alex Reed for our amazing theme music. Thank you guys for sticking through this. I yeah. promise we do like some movies and can be fun. Yeah. Hey, uh, we love the Dior ads. Oh, That's yeah. True. Yeah, guys, cleanse your palate. Yeah. Go, gold is cold. Go watch some Gold is Cold. Don't pretend. A, a limousine is a car. <laughs> but also, most importantly, thank, thank you, Charlies. So I would replace worst cameo Very good. with Keanu good call. Reeves. Love it. All right. I also know what I'm going to Photoshop now. <laughs> no, not that hair on that beautiful face. No, 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 no. I'm just going to make him president. <laughs> <laughs>